goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today on Eco Radio KC, host Terry Wilkie will speak with Timon Wallace, co-founder and executive director of NuclearBand.us. He is also an author. His book, Disarming the Nuclear Argument, The Truth About Nuclear Weapons, analyzes the costs, accident risk, and legality of nuclear weapons. The book played a role in the successful nuclear ban treaty and it is a handbook of those seeking a safer, saner world. His new book, Warheads to Windmills, Preventing Climate Catastrophe and Nuclear War, is the essential manual for all climate and disarmament activists. Terry and Timon will talk about nuclear energy, its past, how we are using it, and ultimately whether it has a future on a planet that wants a future. To survive the climate crisis. We need money, rain power, and infrastructure for the most effective climate solutions. Those resources are currently being squandered by the nuclear weapons industry. We'll also need the world's biggest greenhouse gas emitters to stop pointing nuclear missiles at each other and start building unprecedented global cooperation. Can we convert assets from nuclear weapons of mass extinction to evidence-based climate solution. Eco Radio KC supports the work for a future in which humans flourish as members of a thriving ecosphere. We are all in this together and it will take all of us to make the world safe for human habitation for millennia to come. We are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Good evening. This is Terry Wilkie and I'm talking with Timon Wallace. Timon is co-founder and executive director of Nuclear Band US. He holds a PhD in peace studies from Bradford University. He served as executive director of Nonviolent Peace Force and he's directed peace building projects around the world. He's also served as editor of Peace News. He was founder and director of Peace Workers UK. Tonight we're going to discuss nuclear weapons and what we have learned from that. And then because this is Eco Radio KC, we're gonna talk about nuclear energy and what we are learning from that. So good evening, Timon. Good evening, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you, and let's just open the gate. You're going to speak, I heard of you, because you're going to speak at the All Souls Forum at the Unitarian Church in Kansas City, Missouri, on January 14th. And what's your topic going to be for that presentation? Well, it's also on the Warheads to Windmills um, book that, uh, that's just been published and um, how we can use the resources and the, and the brain power that's being wasted on nuclear weapons to help save the planet from climate catastrophe. Which, saving the planet, that's what Eco Radio is all about, so it's no wonder you're on the radio with us this evening. Now, I note Einstein and other scientists, such as Oppenheimer, were interested in splitting atoms in quest for power. And Oppenheimer split the atom at the risk of exploding the world. However, he wound up successfully, that's in quotes, dropping the bomb on Japan and World War II ended. Timon, could you tell us how you got interested in peace work? 
well, um, <laughs> I, um, I I grew up as a Quaker, and um, say so no I more, was, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of uh, you know born into it, really. But um, you know, I had I had some very important mentors who got me into this, and one of them was um, Helen Caldicott, the um, Australian pediatrician that that many people have have maybe heard of, who. Um, uh, you know, I started out as an environmental activist, actually, and and uh, got involved in the nuclear power uh, plants, you know, campaigns against nuclear power plants at Seabrook in New Hampshire and so on. And I went and heard a talk by Helen Caldicott, and she said, you know, forget about nuclear power plants. You know, the real danger are, are these weapons that are uh, – this was just at the time when, you know, the, the Cold War was sort of ramping up. Um, towards the 1980s, and Ronald Reagan was, you know, building massive, mass, massive buildup of nuclear weapons, and um, so I got, I got involved then, and uh, ended up. Uh, I, I lived most of my life in England, so I, I was living at a peace camp outside a nuclear missile base in England for seven years, and um, and then the Berlin Wall came down, and everybody went home, and I thought we were all done. And then suddenly, uh, a few years ago, I found out we're, we're not done. So I got back into it. Well, good on you. And um, now then, let's go from what you do as an activist and as a director, a manager, to the topic of your book. So you've written more than one book, but your book, Disarming the Nuclear Argument, The Truth About Nuclear Weapons, analyzes the cost, accident, risk, and legality of nuclear weapons, and the absurdity of the whole concept of perpetuating nuclear weapons as deterrence. And I believe, and others, that role played a success, it played a strong role in the successful July 2017 United Nations negotiation for a nuclear ban treaty. And so, talk to me, is this book still available to read? Can people acquire this book? Uh, well, I, I think it's available, you know, sort of secondhand copies. I mean, it was published in Scotland. And um, so I don't know, to be honest, how easily you can get a hold of that. We, we do have, you know, versions on our website. You can, you can download and, and read there. Well, what is your website? Uh, nuclearban.us. Okay, very good. <clears throat> Nuclearban.us. Yeah. And so do you, when was this published relative to when the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons was adopted by the United Nations Conference. Yeah. Well, in fact, there were three editions of that book because the first one was published in, in Scotland uh, in, in, in 2016 or maybe even 2015 um, in relation to the decisions that were being taken at that time to, to, um, to build a whole new generation of Trident nuclear submarines in the UK. So that's that's what I um, initially got involved in, and then I um, got involved in ICANN and heard about the, the the treaty being planned, and I so I wrote I updated the book to make it more international, and I got a grant from a UK foundation to give copies to all the all the negotiators of the treaty in, at the UN. Um, so that was very exciting, and, and um, I, hope I, I hope I contributed something to that. And then after the treaty was, was agreed, I, I did a final edition to sort of include the treaty because I wasn't part of the book before. Well, Tim, and it's curious to worry about, to think about Oppenheimer worrying in the 1940s about, well, if I break this atom, it might cause the entire world to destroy, and created the atomic bomb, which then was ramped up between world powers, governments, until we have reached the point of mutual assured destruction. There's enough bombs aimed at everyone to destroy the world. This is true, right? It's true, and it's absolutely insane. I mean, it's literally insane, which is why the, the acronym MAD, you know, Mutually Assured Destruction, is very apt, because these weapons, they're not, they're not a form of defense. They can't, they can't even be used in, a, in an actual war. I mean, you know, people have been talking about 
using nuclear weapons, you know, the Russians using them in Ukraine or something, but they're not usable as weapons. They're for destroying entire cities. And the bomb that dropped on Hiroshima by today's standards was a tiny, a tiny bomb, you know. I mean, these are massive, massive weapons of mass destruction. They're only able to kill civilians in huge, huge numbers. Uh, and they're, they're not useful as weapons and they're not useful for defending a country. So um, the sooner we get rid of them, the, the, the safer we'll all be. So the United Nations has this treaty and it did pass by a majority in 2017, but it has to be ratified and that's the status of it now, correct? Well, so the way it works is, uh, you know, 122 countries uh, out of 195, you know, voted f in favor of the treaty. And then um, countries had to, you know, the president or the prime minister of a country has to sign it. So, um, so far we've got 90, 94 countries that have signed the treaty and then every country has to ratify it with their congress or their parliament and so we've got 69 countries that have now ratified it so they're all in different stages but it's already it's it's in force in those 69 countries and there are many more countries you know queuing up to to take part in it and um, you know the u.s is not one of them obviously and neither are the other nuclear countries as yet but that's where we're that's where we're going. We're going, you know, bit by bit, country by country. We're going to get um, the rest of the world on board with this treaty. Well, certainly people can advocate for the United States to sign this treaty. And what's holding has Russia signed it? Our arch, our nemesis, our Russian, our nuclear nemesis. No, they, and they won't sign it unless the U.S. does. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we have this, this game going on all the time, you know, with all these treaties and negotiations. And somebody has to take the initiative. And, you know, the U.S. invented these weapons. The U.S. dropped them on Japan. The U.S. has led the way in, to every development that's ever taken place in the nuclear weapons field with all the developments over the last 75 years. And it's got to take the lead to actually get rid of them. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to give up until, until they do that. And certainly, you know, people around the world are, are demanding that, you know, these weapons are, are, are put to bed before it's too late. Because every day the, the risk increases that they're going to be used, whether by, on purpose or by accident. We've had numerous accidents. Um, and, you know, most people know about the Cuban Missile Crisis, but there's been at least a dozen other times in history, uh, as recently as 1995, and, and uh, when, when we came, you know, within inches of nuclear war. And we just can't take that kind of risk. The, the, the general that ran the uh, strategic command, um, General Lee Butler, he was in charge of all the U.S. nuclear weapons during the 1990s. He said when he retired... You know, the only thing that has saved us from a nuclear war is is luck, pure luck. And that's not a that's not a safe thing to rely on indefinitely. Well, luck and there's no logic to it. And it's just a, a muscling, a kind of a bullying. There's no negotiation skills or anything that I see going on 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 that front. No. Well, we're going to um, take a short break, Timon, and. So when we come back, let's talk about that other nuclear power or the nuclear power which is used to create electricity, not weapons. And they're, they're both involve splitting atoms, true. They have that in common. Yep. My name is Terry Wilkie. You're listening to Eco Radio KC. I'm talking with Tim and Wallace. He's co-founder and executive director of NuclearBan.us. He's the author of a book, Disarming the Nuclear Argument, The Truth About Nuclear Weapons. Because this is Eco Radio KC, when we come back, we're going to talk about his new book, which involves working for the better of the, of the planet. As, as if the whole thing doesn't include that. Okay. Just a short break. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Mark Manning. For local and new releases and a mix of all genre, for interviews with artists, musicians, and writers, for freeform radio that plays with themes, questions, and events, tune in to Wednesday Midday Medley, Wednesdays from 10 to noon, right here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. KKFI is moving into the future with a new schedule in early 2024. We will be addressing new shows to all your old favorite programs, new voices, new people, new stories, new topics, and fresh new music. Reflecting the richness of our local and world communities, stay tuned and check out the even wider breadth of what KKFI has to offer. This is Terry Wilkie. I'm talking with Tim and Wallace. He is the executive director of Nuclear Band U.S., and he's the author of a couple of books. Now, what got him on Eco Radio today, he's written a new book, and it's called Warheads to Windmills, Preventing Climate Catastrophe and Nuclear War. This is the essential manual for all climate and disarmament activists. Timon, where do we get your new book? Well, it's available from all good bookshops, libraries, uh, wherever you buy books online. Um, you should be able to get it. So I don't know what the bookshops are in uh, in the Kansas City area, but hopefully they'll they'll stock it. And if they don't, you can ask them to. And then it's on sites like bookshop.org, which sends proceeds to local bookstores of your choosing. It's available on Amazon, Thrift Books, and pretty much anywhere else you can buy books. But the best thing to do if you want a copy is to request it from your local bookstore. This will let them know there's demand and increase its circulation. Now then, Tim, say a few words about how it is that you wrote as is it, is it the same book the first book about banning nuclear weapons, the second book about warheads to windmills, climate catastrophe. How is it that you chose to add that aspect to your treatise? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, as I said, I, I started out life as, a, as an environmental activist. Um, you know, I read Silent Spring uh, when I was a teenager and got very involved in, in fighting pollution and, 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 and car um, and, you know, all, all these kind of issues. And, um, and I moved on to nuclear power as an issue and then I moved on to nuclear weapons. Um, and, um, you know, as I, as I was saying earlier, um, you know, nuclear weapons pose an existential threat to the human race. You know, we, these weapons will destroy us all if they're ever used again. And we, we need to, we need to stop, end them before they, before they end us. But the same is true with climate. I mean, we have a situation, as most people know, a lot more people are aware of the climate um, danger than they are of the nuclear danger. I would say uh, that's true too from your age. So you're yeah. not a kid anymore. And when you were young, you were interested in the climate, but also very interested in nuclear warheads. And back then, the fact that we had nuclear warheads trained on each other, that was an active worry, concern. And now, 50 years later, the active concern is that we're all going to burn up or freeze and or die in extreme weather events like hurricanes and that the coastlines are rising. And this is something that everyone is concerned about. So really, it's no wonder that and and it's all the same thing. It all has to do with that the n nucleus of a cell, of an atom. Mm -hmm. Well, the, I mean, the thing that, that really got me directly uh, working on this book that we've just published is that, um, you know, it's going to take a lot of, of, uh, of effort, a lot of money, 
a lot of brain power, a lot of resources to solve the climate crisis. You know, we have to do it. We have to we have to get off fossil fuels. We have to stop uh, burning them. We have to, you know, plant a lot more trees. We have to do a lot of different things to prevent a worse climate catastrophe. And the and the fact that nuclear weapons are soaking up so much trillions of dollars and all these resources like you've got right there in Kansas City with the nuclear um, security campus and so on you know all the these- Honeywell security camp the national security right. campus owned yeah. by Honeywell <laughs> right yeah I mean that's one of many sites around the country that are that are you know taking our best scientists and our best engineers and our best technicians and a lot of other people to do work on weapons of mass destruction we need those people to be working on climate and to be solving the remaining problems with batteries, with electric, electric transmission, with you know wave energy and all these new things that we could be using to solve the climate crisis, and especially the money. You know, I mean, the the amount of money that's being poured into the nuclear weapons program right now is just un- unbelievable. It's staggeringly uh, huge amounts of money, and we need that money also to be going into you know, helping people get solar panels on their roof and buy electric cars and build build public transportation systems and all that kind of thing. While they are breathing clean air and watching plants and children grow and exactly. living on a planet which has been very good to us to date, but mm-hmm. curiously, we're on the edge of destroying it with our with the fossil the use of fossil fuels with and other chemicals i mean don't let me just select fossil fuels as the entire problem but regular listeners to eco radio kc know that chemicals can be very detrimental to natural living systems and so uh good on you to write this book now we've discussed how to get it you've told the people to survive the climate crisis and what I love Tim and about you is your logic logic appeals to people but we need money brain power and infrastructure for the most effective climate solutions and so can we convert assets from nuclear weapons of mass extinction to evidence-based climate solutions? Now, we've developed several excellent pathways to global nuclear disarmament. The treaty we talked about in the first part, that's a big one. And there are already excellent alternatives to burning fossil fuels. So your book explains the obstacles to those alternatives can you say a few words about what those obstacles might be well uh, obstacles to i mean um one of the one of the problems which i look at in the book are all the false solutions and half solutions and you know uh efforts to to address the climate crisis which are not getting us to where we need to be i mean we've had some major developments as you know with the inflation reduction act and so on um but you know money's being poured into nuclear power which we were talking about uh into um biomass and um carbon capture technologies and things which are which I look at in the book, you know, I mean, they, there, there are positive aspects to these, but they're not going to get us uh, out of the climate catastrophe. They're just not. And so, um, you know, a lot of the confusion people are in um, about climate is, is uh, you know, is addressed in, in the book. And, and I hope people will have a look and, and tell me if I'm wrong. But I mean... <laughs> well, it's confusing to have to make a radical change, Tim. And you know that, and I know that. And yeah. so what is required is for the better part of 100 years, we have been muscling our way to our future, where we feel like, well, if we develop this kind of science and that kind of technology, we will be we will secure our place on the planet. And 
only at the last moment, let alone the nuclear bombs, you were aware, you've always been aware, that that is a bad idea. It will blow up the entire planet. And now the climate threatens to not implode exactly, but it's it's kind of like imploding. I I have a British friend, and I said, well, I see our future. <laughs> I do eco-radio every week. I am an environmentalist. And I said, well, I predict the future in Kansas, where I live, is that we will be burrowed underground to try to stay cool in the summer and warm in the winter and develop small squinty eyes and long nails where we dig ourselves through. And he says, Terry, what dystopia, you know? But I mean, part of me believes that we're going to have to bury in to uh, continue to survive. Well, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, you know, Kansas... Uh, it is is actually the the second um, second most um, uh, wind. Um, Kansas has the second biggest wind potential in the country after Texas. There's huge amounts of wind energy available in Kansas, and you know the the um, the government prediction for how much electricity could be produced from the wind just in Kansas is almost as much as the entire U.S. uses in electricity right now. Um, and, you know, we've just, we've just got to be more creative and more, more willing to make these changes. I mean, we've, we have to make them for our kids and our grandchildren and the future of the planet and all the other species as well. We have to do this. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to burrow underground yet. <laughs> My, I come from ancestry that was burrowed in to start when they got on the train and came from New York State and uh, had to dig in to survive, to stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And then we have learned a lot of things along the way. Certainly we have learned how to create great harm for us. The Dust Bowl was a huge one, the depression, a huge historical debacle. And I would argue that the rising sea levels are of a tremendous concern to the modern world. I mean, if we let if we let if we let the climate continue as it's going, we're going to lose the Arctic Antarctic sea uh, ice ice shelves, and that's going to that's we're talking about two hundred feet rise of sea level, which is which is just un, unimaginable. I mean that takes us. I mean I don't know how far up Missouri that would 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 bring it, but I mean you know on the east coast you know you're talking about. Uh, I mean the whole world w- is is hugely affected if we keep if we keep going in this direction. We have to do something. Already we have tremendous flooding, and so. When we think about nuclear energy as the solution to our energy problems, we don't have enough energy. We have fossil fuels, they, they will deplete. There is a, an end to fossil fuels. I can count the good things about nuclear on one hand. The power does not fluctuate like solar and wind. It's always there. You can always split that atom. It has a small land footprint and it can be scaled up dramatically, one, two, three. Now then, with respect to the bad aspects, how many are there that's negative about nuclear energy, Timon? Well, there are, there are quite a few, but I mean, in, in, in my book, I, I list four. Um, and, um, you know, the first one is about the waste. And, I, and I, if, we have, if we have time, I'd read you just one sentence from my book because um, I, because I like it, <laughs> which is, um, you know, if there's one overriding lesson to be learned from the climate crisis, it is that we cannot produce things of value to society without also paying attention to the waste products we create in the process. Ironically, carbon dioxide itself is one of the least toxic of the many waste products created by modern industry, and that is the cause of the climate crisis. The most toxic of them all was the high-level radioactive waste from nuclear power plants. So that's <clears throat> that's an unsolvable 
irredeemable problem with nuclear power, which is that these the you know it creates very very toxic waste products, which last for th hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, many many times longer than the whole of recorded human history, and we do not know yet what we're going to do with that waste. Um, you know, there's been many attempts. Uh, but we don't have a solution yet. So that's that's the first problem. But the second problem is the time factor. Um, you know, we we know that we can build nuclear power plants. We know that they, they take a long time to build. Uh, we have at the moment um, only one nuclear power plant in this entire country that's under construction in Georgia, One and only one in the last decade that's even begun operation also in Georgia. <clears throat> Those both took... 10 years to construct, but they also took another 10 years between the development of the plans and going through all the process of getting permissions and approvals and design okays and so on and getting the contractors and getting the, everything set up. That took another 10 years. So it took from 2002 until 2023 for the most recent nuclear reactor to, to begin operation. Tim, and we're going to take our second break. Okay. So let me tell listeners, my name's Terry Wilkie. You're listening to Eco Radio KC. I'm lucky tonight I'm talking with Tim and Wallace. He's a executive director of U.S. Nuclear Ban, Nuclear Ban U.S., and he's the author of a new book. He's an author of several books. But his new book is Warheads to Windmills and how it's all not the most logical, best idea. We'll be right back after this. Tune in on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. for Next Step Forward, a program highlighting millennials in the KC Metro that are using their talents, businesses, and activism to educate and uplift their communities. Join us for fresh insights, candid conversations, and interviews that will make you think. If you want to learn, laugh, and be empowered, this is the show for you. Join me, Jasmine Jones, every first Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. right here on KKFI. Homelessness in Kansas City is up 37%. You can join Restart, Inc. by visiting the Kansas City Museum to view The Road Home. This exhibit shares stories, incredible portraits, and video of 18 Restart participants as they share their journeys from homelessness to housing. You can visit restartinc.org for more information. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizerwitz, and this is Climate Connections. Architects and engineers need to make sure that the buildings they design will withstand heat, rain, and other harsh weather. Ariane Loxo of the architecture firm HGA says that to determine what's expected in a location, the industry typically relies on historical weather data. They're generally looking at the past. But global warming is changing weather conditions. So Loxo says if architects and engineers do not consider future climate change, their projects may not perform well over time. For example, buildings may not have adequately sized HVAC systems or enough insulation to keep people cool during increasingly extreme heat waves. Or a property may lack the capacity to divert large amounts of stormwater during intense downpours. Loxo co-authored a recent report that suggests ways to avoid these kinds of problems. We really feel like there's a need for architects and engineers to be at least looking at the data that's provided by the National Climate Assessment or by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. To make that happen, she says building codes and standards should be updated, and clients should ask architects to design with climate change in mind. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To learn more about climate change, visit climateconnections.org. All right, we're back. This is Terry Wilkie. You're listening to Eco Radio KC, and I'm speaking with Tim and Wallace tonight. We're speaking on the topic of nuclear energy, whether you use nuclear energy to blow someone off the face of the planet or whether you use nuclear energy to create electricity that is a system that has detrimental effect. 
So, Tim and you and I just spoke about the good aspects and bad aspects of nuclear energy used to create electricity. And the good aspects is it is there. It's powerful. It can be scaled up. It has a small land footprint. The bad aspects, it's expensive to build, takes a long time to build. There's a high risk of accident. There's destruction to life from the radioactive waste. There's a limited fuel supply. The uranium isn't going to last any longer than coal or oil. And it has a negative impact on the environment. So, so far, I think, Tim, and you and I have agreed nuclear weapons are bad. You agree with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so is the jury out on nuclear power, or is there some good and some bad? Well, um, the uh, I mean, my, my own view is that... Uh, as I said, I, I started out in my in my early days, you know, campaigning against nuclear power plants for all the reasons that you've you've listed there. Um, I I think that the reality is that we will have nuclear power plants for the foreseeable future. I mean, we have about a hundred, you know, operating in the U.S. right now, and countries like France, you know, rely very very heavily on nuclear power plants. Um, but the idea that they're going to be the solution to the climate crisis is a, is a mistake. You know, it's just a, it's not it's not a solution for all the reasons you've just given. And the re, the, the biggest factor there is the cost, not just the cost of building the nuclear power plants, which is billions, and and you know the the, the most recent one that was built, which we just were talking about in Georgia, was you know was supposed to cost 14 billion and it ended up costing 34 billion. But the, the real, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the term levelized cost of electricity, but there's a, there's a formula which is used in the industry to compare different kinds of costs for electricity so that the, the complete cost from building a plant or a windmill or a solar panel to maintaining it and producing the electricity to the, the cost of dealing with it at, at, after it's done, you know, the total cost divided by the amount of electricity that's produced is called the levelized cost. And at the moment, nuclear power is by far the most expensive form of electricity. So there's no reason why any utility, for instance, would go for nuclear power plants when they're way cheaper to go for building windmills or solar panels or even gas and coal are cheaper than nuclear power at this point. And in preparation for our interview today, I did some research. And the remarkable thing to me is that our are developing renewable energy sources, wind and solar. They have come a long way from the old world of the windmill turning that pump that pulled water from the ground. And solar energy operates with the sun heating photovoltaic cells in collectors. The sunlight is absorbed by the cells and converted to electricity, then because of internal electrical field in the cell, this causes movement, the electricity moves. Now, Tim, and this is remarkable and really does support your premise that if we would put more of our resources into developing these systems of energy, we have a, a greater future instead of there is a movement. Let's not be remiss. Let's just talk about the uh, UN Climate Summit in Dubai, the COP28. And for the first time in many, many years, countries did say, well, here's our future is nuclear. And so why do you think, why? Why would they? Well, you know, the first of all, you know, as as we all know, the, the people calling the shots in all of these meetings and so on are the are the corporations, the big corporations. There's huge amounts of money in nuclear 
power plant production as there is in nuclear weapons. I mean, and these big companies like Honeywell that you mentioned are, you know, are putting a lot of their money back into, you know, lobbying our politicians, um, paying for their re-election campaigns and so on. And so that's that's no surprise to me that there is suddenly a great interest in nuclear power because there's huge corporations involved in that. But on top of that, you know, there are um, there are all kinds of um, incentives that are not some of them are understandable and some of them are quite sinister, because as you and I both know, uh, nuclear weapons come from nuclear power plants, and uh, they, you know they need a nuclear power plant to get the plutonium to make nuclear weapons, and um, so countries that are suddenly wanting, or not suddenly, but I mean uh, you know countries that have wanted um, to get nuclear weapons have started out by trying to get you know nuclear power plants in their country, and that's been going on for decades. Um, but on top of that, you know there are all the the other. Uh, sort of prestige issues that, you know, countries, poor countries in Africa or whatever that, that you know, think that you know, having a nuclear power plant is going to give them the prestige and the international status and bring them in with the big boys, you know. Uh, but these are not good reasons. And, you know, it's very, very upsetting and sad to see the COP28, you know, coming out with these promises to, to triple the amount of nuclear power and the Inflation Reduction Act you know, has poured billions more into nuclear power in this country. Right. I see that as politics, uh -huh, straight up, as you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Lobbying. Yeah. Well, there is no doubt that the sun shines in Saudi Arabia, and they have some very interesting solar storage, the uh, salt, the melted salt, yep. the liquid salt. So yep. you and I can remain optimistic that with enough impetus, that people will understand that nuclear energy is not the answer to our energy needs of the future. We've had many nuclear disasters, isn't that correct, Tim? And with yes, and and don't forget about the plant in in Ukraine right now, which is still still a danger to the whole of Europe. You know, I mean, it's the largest nuclear plant. It's in the middle of a war zone. We, we you know they weren't designed for that, and we you know this is these are ticking time bombs if they're ever to be targeted by in, in any in any war situation. Right. Well, the list of huge nuclear disasters include Chernobyl, which is in Siberia. And that is still a place that people, do, they don't go to. Then certainly Japan had the recent Fukushima. That puts yeah. radioactivity in the water. And the, Japan already had a fairly recent history of nuclear contamination in the water and the fish got radioactive and then the people ate the fish and then it was causing cancer and birth defects and and this is in their recent history so i think that's curious where japan is working to rebuild to reopen their nuclear power plants yep well, of course again, it's a small footprint and japan's a small country you know so uh they don't have as much room for solar collectors as we do, as Russia well, does. They've got, yeah, they've got plenty of room. I mean, they, you know, Japan also has huge amounts of wind resources. And don't forget, there are things like wave power and tidal power, geothermal power. You know, there's, there's all these new things which we could be exploring, but we instead of, that's, that's the main reason to stop putting all our eggs into the nuclear energy basket, because we need that money in those those you know scientists to be working on these other solutions right we need to um, create better storage for electricity for when the wind is not blowing we need to upgrade the power grid um, do we want to speak of utility company profits Timon do you have any thoughts about is, is the solar and the wind not profitable enough for companies. Well, as I, as I said, it, it is it is it is profitable now compared to nuclear power. You know, in terms of the costs. But um, you know, one of the things in in my book that I that I which I think is very important is the idea of climate justice, and the idea that we're not just trying to 
save the planet at any cost, as it were. But we're actually trying to make it, you know, make a fair, just, equitable transition from, you know, the current economic economy that's based on fossil fuels to one that's based on renewable renewable energy. And to do that, we need to be thinking about how to move away from the giant multinational corporations and utilities that control our lives and control all the resources that we need to to live on and that includes electricity for for certain and one of the great bonuses uh, i mean not only is solar power and nu- and wind power cheaper than nuclear power and some of these other alternatives but it's actually it opens up the possibility for literally free energy for people you know like you put solar panels on your own roof in your own house you put a windmill on your own farm and you're you're generating free electricity you know i mean it costs to put them up obviously but you know it's it's moving away from this model where we're all totally dependent on these big giant corporations on the corporations right we had a recent show on eco radio where a fellow purchased solar panels on ebay they were used and they cost a hundred, a couple hundred each. And then he would put up two in his yard, power his electric vehicle, and then at night he wired his electric vehicle to run his house, his clocks, his stove. I'm gonna tell you what, that is pretty doggone smart. And uh, it's way in front of the future. So uh, there are, it's as you say, there are other ways to do things other than to rely on splitting the atom which is not in our best interest it's a that that's a frightening proposition the people are afraid of climate change climate catastrophe and the people should continue to be very afraid of atomic disaster isn't that true timon well, it's not just it's not just being afraid. I mean, you know, we want to encourage people that there is there's hope because we do have these solutions and we need to be focusing on that. But yeah, nuclear nuclear energy, whether it's bombs or electricity is not the answer. It's a danger to the planet and we've got to get rid of it. Well, on that point, let me just say thank you for being my guest on Eco Radio, KC, Timon Wallace. You're, you've just done a great job. Thank so, you so much. Timon is executive director of Nuclear Ban U.S. He's an author. His new book is Warheads to Windmills, Preventing Climate Catastrophe and Nuclear War. He's going to speak at the All Souls Forum on January 14th at 9.30 in the morning, and anyone can go to the All Souls website. This, you're speaking virtually, correct, Timon? Yes, that's correct. And um, so, so you can, in, in that case, we've had a good time on the radio, but the people are just hearing you. They'll get to see you and hear you. And so <laughs> I, I want to thank you for being my guest tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Puzzled by the news? Wanting to learn more? Understanding Israel-Palestine airs every Friday at 9.30 a.m. Locally produced but focused on national and international events, the hosts of UIP interview scholars, journalists, activists, and others about the ongoing conflict in Israel-Palestine. Once again, that's Understanding Israel-Palestine every Friday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKFI.
have any old cars, boats, trucks, or motorcycles taking up space? Why not support KKFI with a tax-deductible donation? KKFI partners with Vehicles for Charity to turn your old car into funding for your favorite program. Call 816-931-3122 and ask about how you can make this donation. Here's a calendar for the week of January 1st. Register for Paddle Missouri opens January 2nd. More info at paddlemo.org. Mid-America Regional Council was selected as a recipient of a Renew America's Nonprofits grant to implement energy-efficient building upgrades for nonprofit organizations in the Kansas City region. Contact marc.org. For some time, the Compost Collective Casey has been gathering your food waste and transporting them to Herbivore Farm. All facilities were originally approved by the City of Kansas City, but now they're being threatened by zoning adjustments requested by neighboring properties. A hearing has been scheduled by the Casey Board of Zoning Adjustment to determine whether to shut down both the Compost Collective KC and the Herbivore Farm. Please inform yourself on this issue and make your opinions known by attending a public hearing on Tuesday, January 9th, or write a letter of support to the KC Board of Zoning Adjustment. This year, the City of Kansas City, Missouri is once again partnering with the Kansas City Zoo and Aquarium and the Heartland Conservation Alliance to participate in an international bio-blitz called the City Nature Challenge. Please email Stephanie Dressen, National Systems Coordinator, Office of Environmental Quality, City of Kansas City, Missouri, stephanie.dressen at kcmo.org. It's time to undeck the halls. You're encouraged to responsibly recycle holiday lights and compost natural Christmas trees. Information about where to do so is available on the Eco Radio KC Facebook page. For more information, visit recyclespot.org. Wednesday, January 3rd at noon, it's the return of Wednesday 101 webinar series. Ever feel overwhelmed by the constant consumption and throwaway mindset that we're encouraged to embrace? You can attend virtually for this casual, fun, and informative brown bag lunch to explore questions about it. Reserve a spot using the link on eventbrite.com. Saturday, January 6, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., you can come to Casey Farm School's first jumble swap. Bring what you don't need and take away clothing and goods you do need. The KC Farm School on Gibbs Road is accepting items for donation on Thursday, January 4th and Friday, January 5th from 9 to 6 p.m. My name is Terry. Stay involved. Happy New Year. The days are growing longer. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Happy New Year. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of January 1st, 2024. Democracy Now! reports, Japan is moving closer to reopening the world's largest nuclear power plant, which was shut down following the Fukushima nuclear disaster in 2011. Citing improvements in the safety management system, Japan's nuclear regulator lifted its safety ban on the plant run by Tokyo Electric Power, or TEPCO. Local government bodies still need to sign off on the plant's reopening. According to Reuters, in 2021, the Nuclear Regulation Authority barred TEPCO from operating this plant due to safety breaches, including the failure to protect nuclear materials and allowing an unauthorized staff member to access sensitive areas of the plant. Japan wants to bring more of its nuclear power plants online to reduce its reliance on imported fossil fuels, such as liquefied natural gas. Shares of TEPCO soared after the safety ban was lifted. Inside Climate News reports, President Joe Biden's administration has proposed to end commercially driven logging of old growth trees in all 128 national forests. This will prioritize old growth conservation 
conservation and recognize the oldest tree's unique role in carbon storage. Some first responders say they would be unable to safely carry out rescue operations in the case of a major carbon dioxide pipeline rupture. Such a disaster is increasingly likely as developers spurred by more than $12 billion in federal incentives propose to build lengthy carbon dioxide pipelines across the Midwest. Among the handicaps emergency personnel would face responding to a rupture is a lack of funding for the kind of equipment necessary to safely navigate the threats of burst carbon dioxide pipelines. When a CO2 pipeline ruptured in 2020 in Mississippi, it released a massive cloud of gas that traveled more than a mile, sending 45 residents to the hospital and causing the evacuation of 200 others. CO2 is heavier than air and acts as an asphyxiant in high concentrations. Sustainability Action Newsletter Reports. The Lawrence Douglas County Planning Commission ended up in a split vote on a conditional use permit for the proposed 1,105-acre Kansas Sky Energy Center solar power plant. A tie at the Planning Commission functions the same way as recommendation for denial. Improving and preserving soil carbon is recognized as a critical action to tackle climate change. Soil stores more of the world's carbon than vegetation and the atmosphere combined, increasing the carbon stocks in the top meter of the soil by just 1% could capture more carbon than total annual carbon emissions from burning fossil fuels. Improving the soil's ability to capture and retain carbon also makes land more suitable to sustain biodiversity and preserve food security. Improving land management practices such as cover cropping, conservation tillage, agroforestry, and rotational grazing can improve soil carbon. Green rooftops provide climate benefits that range from heat moderation in concrete jungles to vegetation served fresh from the roof. Green roofs stay cooler than those covered in black asphalt. Basic foundation of a green roof has a protection layer that prevents plant roots from penetrating the infrastructure. After this comes a draining layer the stormwater can escape through and permeable fabric that filters the water. New regulations by the Canadian Environmental Minister will end Canadian sales of new passenger vehicle powered by gasoline or diesel in 2035. EcoWatch reports, the United States Supreme Court has agreed to hear oral arguments in a case that would stop the EPA from implementing a good neighbor rule that would protect people in states downwind from industrial and coal plant pollution that drifts across state lines. The groups that want the EPA stopped includes the states of Indiana, West Virginia, and Ohio, the U.S. Steel Corporation, pipeline operators, and energy providers. The court will hear the oral argument February 2024. Current disagreement involves the regulation of ozone gas in states the EPA said did not comply with good neighbor provision of the Clean Air Act. In 2022, the Supreme Court voted to limit the authority of the EPA to establish broad rules for reducing carbon emission from gas and coal-fired power plants under the Clean Air Act. The Good Neighbor Plan was announced in February 2023. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Mugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Mid Coast Media Project.
You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh. 